Entrepreneur, author, and financial consultant Mark Bernstein helps high-performing entrepreneurial business owners create a vision for the future and follow through on their goals and intentions. Ange Honorato is a business growth strategist who blends psychology and business together to create conscious leaders and business owners who impact the world. Founders Forum is a radio show podcast sharing the real stories behind entrepreneurship as founders discover more about themselves while providing valuable lessons and some fun and entertainment for you. Now, here's Mark and Ange. Good morning, America. Good morning, Arlo. Good morning, Ange. Good morning, Brian Green. You'll meet him in a minute. Uh, Welcome to Founders Forum. It's a rainy day in Philadelphia today, but it's beautiful inside the studio and it's beautiful outside because as our last guest that we uh, was actually live with this morning said, rain can help your state of flow. And I like that. Water and rain can help your state of flow. Ange, I think you have a thought that you're thinking about today. Why don't you introduce that and we'll discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it, kind of playing off of the conversation that we had a little bit earlier today about being in flow and about, you know, being surrounded by water and water is flow. And of course, you know, as humans, we're made up of 70% water, right? So there's a the importance of, of flow in general. And, you know, for me, the thought I had today was taking that concept a step further and thinking about, you know, what do we do when, when the unexpected happens, right? So, um, you know, Mark, you're aware I had some some very unexpected things happen uh, in my life in the last couple of weeks uh, that kind of come out of left field that um, when you get a big curveball that thrown that way, whether it's, you know, personal or business or, you know, financial, um, you know, how do you how do you regroup after that? How do you respond in the moment? How do you regroup from it? And one of the things I can say is, you know, by the work I've done the last year as well on myself and learning to be in flow um, has helped me, I think, adjust in the moment to some of these, you know, unforeseen things. And I I didn't always operate that way in my life or my business. And I think um, learning how to do that, learning how to be prepared for the unexpected without, um, you know, letting it derail you or derail a business is, uh, is a pretty important factor. So that was kind of heavy on my mind today. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Gotcha. Well, it certainly does because we're, as entrepreneurs, we're throwing curveballs all the time. But instead of me answering, I'd love for Bryant to chime in because I, you've never had curveballs thrown at you in business before, have you? <laughs> <laughs> everything is everything is always, you know, the unexpected, especially in home care. But this week in particular, I think that my curveball was with my assistant who was like my fifth and sixth and seventh hand. She had to have emergency surgery. Oh, boy. And so I told her, not, and I'm, I'm not, I'm a business guy. I'm not a clinician at all. But because I, I work around clinicians all the time, I kind of like, you know, and, and like Mr. WebMD. And just so her, her symptoms, I'm like, you know what? Have you ever had your appendix taken out? And she's like, no. And I said, well, you know, Uber down to Jefferson. This is this is a true story. Monday she Ubered down to Jefferson, and they wound up keeping her, and she had an emergency appendectomy. And so for me, the unexpected was having to navigate. She she keeps track of my calendar. She helps me out on the farm. She orders my lunch. She wipes my hands. She wipes my nose. <laughs> She's my therapist. <laughs> and, and, and it was roles reversed because she was all of a sudden like, she's like, oh, my God, they're going to do surgery. I said, calm down. It's a common surgery. You know, you'll be all right. 
and uh, I can't get to you right this minute, but you know we're going to be okay. So that was my curveball. But it was your turn to take care of her. The table's turned. Right, and yeah. I just I'm naked. I'm like you know I'm, I'm looking through my account. I have three calendars for three different reasons. And anyway, she is you know off hours. She is really like my work beyond a work wife. She is really my that Jessica because she and I communicated. Jessica yeah, Mateo. Yeah, yeah, she's home now. She's home now, and I made her stay home. That she's going to try to come in and catch up and you know that kind of thing. Just were dedicated. But when you lose somebody like that. And an intricate role for me, that was the unexpected. So for these first three days, uh, they've been a challenge. Is she back or is she back sooner? No, I, I made her stay home today. Yeah. I, I, you know, so I'm going to talk yeah. to her. After this meet, after our after our broadcast, I want to talk to her and see where she is. But I, I insisted that she stay home. It's Wednesday. I might, might make her stay home for the rest of the week, which is just going to be hard for her because, like me, she's a workaholic. And so she's she's at her apex when she's working, and right. so you know, and yeah, she's a fish out of water right now. Yes, so to speak. We'll talk about fish in a little <laughs> bit too. But that's another topic. <laughs> so listen. So let let us all back up. Let me introduce our guest, Brian Green, who is the founder of Always Best Care Senior Services. He alluded to that. He's got skilled and non skilled care um, services in Pennsylvania, non skilled care in Delaware. Uh, he is also a hobby farmer and has a nonprofit. Uncle B's Rescue Farm. So welcome, Uncle B, here today. That's what you're already TJ's, our engineer's Uncle B. <laughs> he gives a thumbs up. And uh, we're, uh, he's got a 13-acre farm in uh, Washington, not Washington Township, but Sewell, New Jersey. Right? In Mantua right. Township, on the other Mantua side of Township, yep, yep. And he's got horses, donkeys, alpacas, a bunch of dogs, a bunch of cats. Um, he says he likes animals better than people. I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, this morning he seems pretty good with people. But uh, anyway, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are, because I, I know there's an interesting story there. How'd you get started in your business? How'd you get to have the rescue farm, et cetera? So I grew up in West Philadelphia, and I have probably about 20 years of corporate America experience, accounting, finance, business operations. And through no fault of my own, I was um, laid off. And I was laid off at the time where there was an outro of Bush and an intro of Obama. A little curveball, by the way. It was a big curveball. Yeah. I mean, if they'd have let me stay there, I'd probably re- retire with that cable giant. I mean, I had a corner office, TV in the office, free cable, free internet. I'm still in therapy. I still get mad when I pay that bill. But it, anyway, <laughs> I'm working. We working, all do, I think. <laughs> I'm working it out. But I was in a situation where I was competing for employment with people that had 10, 15 years my senior. And they were willing to work for less. And I was out at a Wells at the Wells Fargo. They had a career fair slash pink, a diversity pink slip party because at that time a lot of people on the street looking for a job. And a franchise broker approached me, and he said, "You know, you know, what would you do if you, you know, what would you, what would you do if you could, you know, buy a franchise?" And I said, "I would buy a strip club." He, <laughs> that's what he did. Let out a gut laugh. He says, "What?" He says, "Just dead serious." I said, "What else is going to be recession proof?" <laughs> and anyway, he introduced me to four turnkey operations, and the one that appealed to me the most was senior care. Um, I have a big family on both sides, and because my mother started young, I had the blessings of both great, both sets of grandparents, and until adulthood, I had both of my great grandmothers. And wow. so I really understood that. And and their peer group. I always say the grandmothers, but their peer group. So, you know, my first couple of babysitters were my great-grandmothers. So now, fast forward, you know. Very fortunate, first of all, to have that. Uh, I, if I could just have them as a real fully grown adult. I was a young adult. Um, teenager when one passed and a, and, a, and a young adult, young parent when a second one passed. If I could just have five more minutes with them. Mm. 
I would, I, it was just uh, the recipes and the conversation. And neither one of them had a high school education. They had common sense. And so because I, I, the book is going to be called Success Through Dysfunction because a lot, of, a lot of the success has come from dysfunction, honestly, my experience with dysfunction. Um, home care, a lot of times people think that that's just as simple as you're sending somebody into somebody's home and, that's, and everything's going to be okay. But, you know, because we deal with a lot of different scenarios, you, you say the expected and unexpected, we do that just about every day. But, you know, we, we went against the franchise model, actually. The franchise model, which started out in Sacramento, California, suggested that we go after private pay. And we made the decision early on when we would go out and do the referral calls Everybody wanted to know whether or not we were connected with Medicaid, which, by the way, is the biggest health care payer. And so when we got to, you know, we got Medicaid certified as a business, we catapulted. And I'm happy to say I'm number one in the frame. I've been in business for just 13 years on the 15th. But out of those 13 years, 11 of them, I've been number one in the franchise in the country. Has that caused the franchise or to change their thoughts on? on Sometimes they treat me like it's a fluke. They can't believe it because it's so against their business model. But in any franchise, I think what people have to realize is I, you know, as I matriculate in the franchise is that one size never fits all. You know, you have to really go what really works in your area. You know, it's very, the East Coast is very different and dynamic than the West Coast. Um, Midwest has issues, down South has different issues that they deal with. And all the different states have different Medicaid reimbursement rates. So it doesn't work for everybody. Right. Some places private pay is the thing. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, lucky for me over here, you know, we've, we've hit, you know, we strike some oil with, you know, working with people with Medicaid. And I got to tell you, after 13 years of being in business for myself, I'm very proud as a minority business owner to have put together a multicultural staff and more and more an intergenerational staff. Mm. Um, messaging for us is always important. You know, you know, if you ask me what I say to other people, I'm talking to them, communication. You know, I might tell you a story or a joke about and, and reference something from the eighties. My daughter always tells me, Dad, that's from the eighties. <laughs> you know, you know, and then but you talk to people that are a certain age, they don't get it. But they're in their phones Googling. I'll tell you for instance, just really quickly, um, just not long ago we were sitting around a leadership table and we were trying to come up with an incentive an incentive for the employees. I came up with the fabulous idea, I thought, um, to send somebody to Atlantic City for a weekend, off expense paid, to see a show and, and get a meal. Well, half the room, 50 and older, thought that was wonderful. But my younger people were not moved at all. And so we said, well, what would you like? They were like, PTO. We don't want to go somewhere, PTO. So, you know, that's the dynamics of the business. You know, one size does not fit all. You have to really meet people where they are. Um, I'm, I am a people person by nature, but I, you, like you said before, I, you know, sometimes see the, the, the worst in people sometimes. Meaning that they, you know, in stress situations, unfortunately, in home care, a lot of people don't make the decision for home care until the last minute. So they're at the stress points. But a lot of times now that we've had some success too, people, you know, you have people that are givers and you have a lot of people out there that are takers. And you really, and you're, I hide from people. You're papers. tuned into dysfunction too, which probably helps you be aware of that as well, right? I try to read the room as fast as I can. <laughs> exactly right. Gotcha. <laughs> I could see that from our early conversations. Uh, by the way, I should mention, I didn't want to forget this, that, uh, that Brian also has a radio and TV show called Did You Know on WORD Radio in Philadelphia and also on cable TV, mm-hmm. an hour long show on all types of topics. So he's not. 
a stranger to radio or, or broadcasting like some of our guests. So, You know, it's funny how that started. You know, I was invited, just like coming here, um, and early on in kind of the matriculation of the business, to kind of talk about a community event that we were one of the sponsors for. And the, the host at that point, uh, Nick Talafario, he said, you know, you really should be on radio. I follow. He's trying to sell me some advertising. <laughs> and then nine, nine and a half years later, that's how long I've been on radio. And same thing with TV. You know, people said, "Oh God, you you know you have a pleasing you're pleasing to the eye." I was like, "Go ahead, <laughs> now say it some more. Say it some more." Now, and so I've just taken the show. The, the Did you know show was centered around. We connect- agreed we're both better looking in person. <laughs> better, than, yes, than on Zoom. So, <laughs> or however we saw each other first. But yeah, you know, the Did you know show is centered around connecting people to home, community, and business resources that you ordinarily wouldn't know about. So anything from the Alzheimer's Association, lupus, cancer, reentry programs. Um, I just had Solomon Jones on my show talking about Man Up Philly, where we're dealing with the gun violence. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Philadelphia has become with with young people in particular. Um, we just, you know, I, that way of it. You know, I, I try to, to get involved. I don't try to stay dormant. But it brings me into a lot of different unique scenarios that I guess I can honestly say, to be fully transparent, we, we do reap some benefit of that because I've become somewhat of an influencer only through the fact of working in the community. And people see that consistently, um, that we're out there in the streets, and you know we do give away a lot, but sometimes you have people that are not appreciative, I think. And I think they don't understand where the giving is coming from. You say we, this is through, in the, in the name of Always Best Care? Is and personally. It, and personally, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you do that as well. Hey, yeah, this and, is a very Brian, good, Ange, oh, one I, second, because we yeah, do have to take I'm a break. So I'm, you're going to ask the first question when we come back in a minute. Perfect. The lawyers at Kaplan Stewart, Meloff, Ryder, and Stein PC understand the needs of small businesses. They deliver high-quality legal services and exceptional value to their clients every day. Their experienced legal team provides clients with guidance in many areas of the law, including real estate, land use and zoning, construction, business, civil litigation, estates and trusts, and employment matters. Kaplan Stewart also has cutting-edge technology to make the practice of law as efficient as possible. Call 610-260-6000 to schedule a consultation. Kaplan, Stewart, Meloff, Ryder, and Stein, PC. Business lawyers for business people. We're back on Founders Forum. And Ange, before you ask your question, I just want to mention, because I I don't know if you know this, but Brian, because I know you're very interested in AR and employee issues, has somewhere between 750 and 1,000 employees at any time. So with that, go ahead. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, you know, and I, and I just wanted to, to kind of chime in with a comment and, and lead into a question as well, Brian, that, you know, I love what you're speaking about here in terms of, you know, how you're getting, how you're involved in the community uh, and really from your employee base as well, you know, really having more seasoned folks, you've got, you know, younger, younger folks as well. And, you know, in, in preparing for our call today and, and understanding that, you know, it looks like you just also recently received the 2023 Franchise of the Year Award, correct? Yes, um, yes ma'am. So congratulations Thank with that. Um, but I think that not only is that an amazing, you know, accomplishment, but, um, you know, I'm curious for you um, what you feel played a big part in that, right? So is it uh, a lot of just sort of how you've kind of run the business? Is it 
maybe the extension into the community and different outreach that you've done? What do you attribute has really helped you, you know, maybe some of the, the softer things or the things kind of behind the curtain that have helped you become such a successful franchisee owner as well? It's a couple of things. Thank you. First of all, thank you. Um, the first thing I would say always consistently is that my, I understand dysfunction. And a lot of times we're faced with dysfunction and we don't sweep it under the rug. We deal with it up front. But one of the things I think that's made me successful is that my management style, leadership style, if you will, I'm a big, I'm a big component of leadership versus management. And I, I steer away from the old Jurassic style of management. I, I manage or lead in a way by example, but I also show my vulnerabilities and my mistakes to my leaders so that they feel comfortable when they have a problem, they, 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 they don't you know, hide it for a while because then we can all grow from it. And then with that, we've come across some scenarios where we all have to put our thinking caps on. I'm, I'm one that will say, well, I've come across that before, or I'll say, well, you know what? I've never come across that before. What do you guys think? And I, and I think over time they've trusted me to really say, okay, he really does really want to know what we're thinking about. But the other thing, too, is, you know, communication, recognizing and being self-aware. Um, I, it's interesting to me. A lot, I, these days I get a lot of questions from people that are thinking about going into business, particularly couples. And I always say, you know, it's always funny when I hear a, reti- a retiring couple say, oh, we're going to open up a senior business. And I always say, oh, wait, pump your brakes. <laughs> you know, a senior business, some people think, oh, it's just going to be sanguine, it's going to be peaceful. I say the first thing is, have you ever worked with your spouse, number one? Number two, um, these days, because the potential for the senior growth has has led a lot of the different businesses, which used to be traditional referral sources for us, to open up their own home care. So it's an oversaturated market. I always tell people, if you're looking to get into it, you might want to consider buying something, buying buying an existing business. But back to me and how I guess I lead, I'm I'm self-aware. I'm always asking questions, and I'm, I'm an effective listener. And I I challenge my leaders and my direct, a few direct reports to always listen. Because when you listen, you think you know what's going to happen, but sometimes you hear some other things. And so I've become kind of like an unofficial therapist (laughs) for a lot of my staff. And, you know, we have so many different scenarios in home care. And then, you know, I switch gears and I go home. Part of my work-life balance was supposed to be the farm in terms of, you know, well, I just want to go out and pet, you know, have pasture pets. And you stick a sign out and you say that you're taking unwanted animals, particularly horses and donkeys and bonies, there are a lot of them out there that come off the track, come off the farm. Um, they eat big. They boo-boo big. And so they're, they're an expense. But I created this 501c3, so I go out there and I, and I zen with the animals. And what has started to happen is a lot of people come out there and zen with me with the animals, um, people with, with additional needs. I never say special because the world doesn't treat you special. But a lot of different uh, organizations and clubs come out. And so I, that's the reason. I've always, since I was a little kid, the, my favorite place in Philadelphia has always been the Philadelphia Zoo, where we have probably the best relationship with Victor Wan, who is retiring and looking for a replacement with him now, for him now. And we have our employee event there every year. We rent out the zoo for the always best care of folks. Um, we have a night at the zoo. And the zoo is very different at night, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's but, very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, but that that's it. That you know, success through dysfunction, listening, and I show my vulnerabilities. I don't hide them. Um, I think that that gives that sets a platform for people to also show their vulnerabilities in a in a non obstructive and a non hierarchical way that they can really just be themselves. And let me also say this too: it's a difference being a, being a a minority in business. 
you know, you know the difference between being invited and being included. So I've always said that if I had a business, I want to make sure that everybody feels included, no matter where you are. I like that. Um, if, if you could sum that up, you said a lot there. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, what you're doing is really conscious and authentic leadership. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes, sir. And, you know, I love the idea that you're, you're listening, you're sincere about that. I got that in our first conversation, that you're a great listener and that you're very, uh, you know, very present. And it sounds like that's consistent with everything you do, whether it's nonprofit, for-profit, employees, I'm pretty sure that some of my, my staff, especially my leadership staff, and sometimes my assistant feel like I'm like the fly in the ointment, the fly that you can't get away, get rid of, <laughs> because they're like, oh, my God, you know, he's so involved. Like, you know, for me, too, I spy on people. I people watch. Um, um, sometimes there's nothing for me to come into one of my offices. Again, everybody doesn't know who I am. They, they see my name on their check, but they don't know who I am. So I will always come in somewhere plain clothes and non-assuming, and I will always just say, good morning, good afternoon. And depending on your response, that, that I can tell what kind of person you are. Um, if you don't say good morning, you don't say good afternoon, good evening, that's already a red flag for me, especially in this business. And we, we spend a lot of time with soft skills training, you know, because as you can imagine, the biggest part of my workforce is people between 20 to 35. And if you didn't grow up, a lot of people I'm finding out didn't grow up with Big Mama like I did. And so I always tell people to imagine what that is like when you, you know, you go to the bathroom independently and you fix yourself toast and eggs by yourself. And now you have to wait five, ten minutes for somebody to come in and fix you toast. It's an eternity. So that's why. And then you not only that, you're coming in there with the multicolor hair, the long extensions, the eyelashes, the excessive jewelry, the tramp stamp. Sometimes, not all the time. And, you know, sometimes that's like, a, you know, for them, they judge. But... The success in that, too, is when you talk a senior into taking a younger person as their caregiver and that, that relationship starts to build, sometimes we take care of a lot of retired nurses. And a lot of these young people are aspiring to be nurses. So you see that synergy start to evolve. And, you know, they, you know to sometimes to our detriment because sometimes there's secrets that's going on, you know, these private relationships. You know, you tell, you tell the caregivers not to get personal with their clients, but how can you not get personal when you're giving somebody a bath every day or take, and they're changing an adult diaper? It just happens organically. But when you see the circle of life working, it's a beautiful thing. When you have a young person that may have not have had a senior in their life, now have a senior in their life, it's a really emotional, it's more than just um, a job. It's, it's, it's an emotion. Um, it's a lot of different, you know, feelings involved. And, they, you know, just like family, you fall out. You fall out with family. Like my, my great-grandmother used to say sometimes, i never forget it, she used to say, you know, sometimes your teeth and your tongue are having an argument. And I said, Grandma, what are you talking about? She said, you ever bite your tongue? <laughs> I said, I said, yeah. And then my other grandmother would say, you know, baby, there's a lid for every pot. <laughs> like, like all of this. That's you know, one of my wife's expressions. She says she was a family therapist and a bit of a matchmaker. Right. She said because there's a lid for every pot. There's a lid for every pot. I, listen, if I could just have those two in my life again, just I, I hope that I didn't meet them on the other side, you know, but I tell you. Their wisdom, and again, it wasn't academic. It wasn't academic. It was just experience. Mm. You know, it's, it's, 
You know, Brian, you, you bring up a really interesting point. I don't know if you are aware of this, uh, but I've seen a couple reports and some documentaries on the importance or the exchange of sort of the, you know, the the senior viewpoint of life being paired with that younger. And mm-hmm. in Sweden, they actually have a program where college students or graduate students can actually get paired to live with seniors for, you know, sort of rent free in exchange for care. And part of that is the knowledge transfer as well in terms of preserving, you know, history or, you know, just, you know, coping mechanisms in life or giving companionship because a lot of younger people are living in cities that they're not familiar with because they're going to school and a lot of seniors might not, you may have lost their spouse. And so, it's a really interesting social experiment and they've got all kinds of data about how effective and what the benefit to the community that is and, you know, lower rates of, of just, you know, crime and disease and all kinds of things. So I think there's, there's a, there's a really bigger aspect to what you're talking about. And I think it should be celebrated more and not just even thought of as just a job, right? It's, it's an important way of preserving history and, transferring stories and knowledge, I think, from one generation to another as well. I, I love that you're thinking about the growth of your employees from these relationships as well, not just taking care of your of your customers, which which is usually number one. It's a very synergistic type of thing you're doing, as, as Andrew's saying. I love that. Hey, a couple quick questions, because we only have, time goes fast when you're having fun. We only have a couple minutes, but one question for you. You're talking about the wisdom you got from your great-grandmother's if you could speak to your younger self today as, as a wise man as you are, uh, what advice would you give you? I would say love yourself more. Mm. For so long, I think a lot of us are trying to present something that is um, palatable to others. And, you know, for me as a young person, you know, especially growing up in a single-parent home, you often, you know, realize your devices and you try to shield yourself away from the true self and, and, and self-love. I would love myself more and try to steer away from trying to impress folks um, more. I would pay more attention to different triggers about me because I, you know, I, I come from a really you know modest background, but I, you know, I was always a quick trigger too, and sometimes rebellious. I would probably be a lot less rebellious and probably taking things and, and listen before I, you know, because rebellion is a lot of is a self defense, in my opinion. Because you want to do it your way. You want to make it your way. And sometimes, you know, you lose out the big message. Yeah, that's, a, that's really a, a great thought. Um, I know you're a music fan, too. We've talked uh. a little about music. And I know <laughs> uh, you saw Queen Beyonce last week. So, But I did want to ask you what your favorite music, your favorite song, if you have one, favorite artist. Yes. Um, she's, she, she, she's transitioned now 13 years ago. Tina Marie. Oh. Tina Marie, who I got the ch- hang, chance to hang out with several, several different times. Um, Deja Vu, her song Deja Vu, you know. There's a verse in there if, you know, hate is on your mind and you can't give love the time. If anger is your friend, don't you know when you die you'll come back again. Um, Deja Vu, that, that, that's, that's the one, and one of the many songs. And then second behind that, if you ask me my favorite group of well, your... it's consistent with your philosophy on life that we've been talking about. Very consistent. Yeah. And Earth, Wind & Fire. You know, well, Tina Marie, first of all, was the, was a white artist on on Motown, so I identify yeah. with her because she was in a platform where, you know, not many white people knew about her. 
she had this really soulful voice and range. And, you know, unless you really met her, you didn't know that she was, was blue-eyed. We called her blue-eyed soul. But music-wise, band-wise, Earth, Wind & Fire, who I'm going to go see later on in August. Great band. And, Lion, and Lionel. They're coming with Lionel. So oh, that's yeah. going to be an awesome. That's a concert my mother and I are going to. You know, so, yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's great. That's a lot. So we ended on a fun note, and we do need to end because we're out of time. But uh, thanks for everyone for being at Founders Forum today. Bryant, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Great pleasure. Yep. We might Thank have you. you back sometime. It's been I would a lot love of fun. that. I think we, there's a lot more we could talk about. So everybody have a great day. See you again next week on Founders Forum. <laughs>